Well, it seems like the world's coming to a standstill, but uh, the virtual Bible study is going to keep going on. Yeah, because we think that you cannot catch the coronavirus through these microphones. So we think you're safe if you're at home listening to the virtual Bible study. That's right. And we're hoping that we can't catch them through these headphones coming back the other way. That's right. We think we're okay. So hang right. in there. We're going to have a, a, an addition of the virtual Bible study tonight, although almost everything else is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, we're going to talk about giving. On the yeah, we got some really important and interesting questions to discuss about how we contribute, how we give. It's a Bible subject. Uh, I think a lot of people want to shy away from it. But it's, it's, it is absolutely a Bible subject. Yeah. And uh, needs to be talked about. And we're going to start talking about it right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 12th, 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Glad that you're here. And uh, Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, you were a little bit iffy last week, and uh, you've uh, been through a round of antibiotics. Feeling better tonight? Yep, yep. Feeling better. But it was not coronavirus. No, it wasn't the flu. It wasn't coronavirus. Said, yeah, a little strep throat, but no. Oh, boy. Which is probably way worse than coronavirus anyway, but uh, (laughs) we'll talk about medical things. Glad that you're here tonight, Kyle. Glad that you're listening on the other end of the line, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Sign in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed and share your comments with other listeners from around the world tonight. We want to hear from you on the program as we talk about giving. Yeah. Uh, we sent out earlier today to our update list some questions that had been generated through some emails that you had had with uh, some others, Jacob. Well, and some discussions. You know, we talked, we touched on this about three or four weeks ago. You remember we had a, we actually ran out of material. In the end, we had a sort of a free-for-all lobbing questions at us, and someone brought up a question about giving. And after the program, I talked with two listeners to separate occasions about this, and both uh, had some some thoughts about it, that were some uh, questions about it, and so I thought it was a good uh, topic to consider on the yeah. program. And and after I sent out the update today, uh, our friend Randy out in Colorado sent even another one in. Oh yeah, we got uh, uh, okay. Uh, so several questions about our giving. I, mean, I think it is a topic that people have questions about, yeah. obviously. But you know, one of, as I said earlier, people like to shy away from this because I think we get the bum rap that. That's all they're interested in is my money. Uh, first thing they talk about, the very first thing they want is me to give money. And and so we we want to downplay that because that's not true. And maybe we're too sensitive not to deal with this very biblical subject because we're afraid people think we're just money grubbers. So, you know, maybe we ought to step back on that. That's a good point because we're looking at this because we believe that, that giving is beneficial for us, that it's something that God has instructed for us for our good. Uh, and uh, so it's not about the money, and, and, and the listeners, that uh, majority of the listeners to the program tonight aren't going to contribute to this 
local congregation, so we're not asking for your money. Yeah. Uh, but it is a good uh, thing for us to do. And we're quick to acknowledge that a lot of religious charlatans have really abused, have, yeah, have, right. abused this thing. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, maybe that's why we, we don't talk about it very much, but we should because it's definitely in the Bible. So earlier today we sent out these questions to our update list, and each of them had some parts to them. First question, how much, let's just deal with them one at a time, Jacob. So the first one, which has several sub-questions, how much should we give? Is 10% valid or mandatory? Should we give of our income pre-tax? Should we determine how much we give before paying bills? Are there any other considerations beyond the number on our paycheck that should be used to determine how much we give? Are there other ways we prosper that should be included? Okay. Lots of good questions there. Okay. All right. So let's start out with the 10% question. The, our question did not use the word, but I think all of our listeners are familiar with the word tithe mm-hmm. or with tithing. Mm-hmm. And that very literally means to give 10%. Mm-hmm. Now, that is that is well established or grounded in, in Old Testament passages. In fact, I think the very first reference to such a thing that we have is in Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham was coming back from, uh, he he had pursued uh, an allegiance, an alliance of kings who had actually captured his nephew Lot, yep. and he pursued after them, conquered them, recovered Lot and all that had been taken uh, by those kings. And as he was coming back, he was met by Melchizedek. Uh, and it's, uh, in Genesis 14, verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. I think. That's the very first reference to it. Now, obviously, that way predates the law of Moses. Yep. And and actually, another reference in in Genesis, when Jacob uh, was fleeing because his brother Esau had vowed to kill him, you remember he he stopped for the night and slept and saw a vision of a ladder from heaven and angels yep. ascending and descending. Yep. And in Genesis twenty eight. At verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So there's Jacob making reference to giving one tenth or 10%. Those predate the law of Moses, but when the law of Moses was given on Mount Sinai, this was actually codified in the law of Moses. Look at Leviticus 27, Leviticus 27, verse 30. Come on now. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add there unto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed 
These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. So during the patriarchal age, it's clear that they did so. During the Mosaic age, it was actually part of the established law that they give 10%. So prior to the Mosaic law, was that uh, 10% sort of a voluntary measure? I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say. It mentions they did it, but it doesn't say whether they were ordered to do it or not. So maybe it's a reasonable thing. We might learn from that. But that's where the 10% comes from. Now, the question is, is it mandatory for us? And the answer has to be no, because in the New Testament, we don't read about that at all. We don't read a specified percentage that we must give. And we know that the law of Moses is not our law today. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16 We know that that Old Testament law of Moses was taken out of the way, nailed to the cross of Jesus. Uh, Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of the holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. And I might add, or of tithing, because that was a part of the law of Moses. And that's not been reiterated in the New Testament. And so... Uh, we would say, well, we're not bound by 10%. So, but I think two questions have been asked there. Yeah. Is 10% valid? Is 10% mandatory? Okay. Well, in regards to the mandatory question, I don't think we could say it's mandatory. You couldn't find a place in the New Testament that says you must give a tithe or give 10%. Is it valid? Now, that's probably a different question, Jacob. And I want to answer the, is it a valid thing to think we should give 10%? I want to say, well, let's think about what we learned in the Old Testament. In the patriarchal dispensation, it seemed to be a reasonable thing for them to give 10%. Under the law of Moses, it was actually ordered of them to give 10%. Why would we think that that's not at least a valid starting point for us to consider how much we give well, we know that that's what God did in times past. He hasn't ordered it of us, but why should we? You know, I, I like the story I heard years ago. An old preacher was asked, do we have to tithe? Do we have to give 10%? Is that required? And he said, oh, no, 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 not, no. It's not, it's, it's 10% is not required. We can give a whole lot more. <laughs> and I think that's probably the way we ought to look at it. Yeah. So we've been told to give, and uh, we just have been told to be generous in that. Those are the, those are the parameters that God has given us. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So, so God just wants us to be generous. Uh, he wants us to plan it. We yeah, purpose it. it, and we give generously. And then in the other verse, the New Testament verse that we're going to talk about a lot tonight, that one in, in 2 Corinthians 9, and in 1 Corinthians 16, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And so there should be a proportionality to what I've been prospered and what I give. Uh, So I started giving $5 20 years ago. I'm still giving $5. Well, I'm making a whole lot more money than I made 20 years. I've always given $5. Well, that's not as I have been prospered, right? Yeah. Uh, And so it should be proportional to our prosperity. As our prosperity increases, you would think that that in itself would actually mandate 
that are giving increase as our prosperity increases. Yep. Now, again, we, we're not we're not trying to bind a law of 10 percent. But I actually think the question was, is it mandatory? No. Is it valid? I think, yeah. I think it's a valid consideration, a valid, at least a valid starting place reference for point, our maybe. planning. Maybe a reference point. Uh, 3176 in the chat room says, Old Testament was 10%. Uh, the new covenant is better and requires more of us. Jesus said, you have heard, do not murder, but I say to you, do not hate. Uh, he says, or she says, did, did Jesus give 10% of his life or his blood? Over and over, Jesus said, watch out for greed. He didn't have to say, watch out for other sins because they are obvious and greed isn't. People get very spiritual when they justify not giving. So yeah. uh, greed is one of those things. That's one of the blessings with giving is it, it does uh, guard us against some of that greed and materialism. And it does remind us that our blessings come from God. It reminds us to put our trust in God, not in our riches, uh, which has been told to us over and over again in the scriptures. Uh, so um, there are certain benefits from being generous in our giving. And, and, and again, to the Old Testament, sort of the, the principles set forth, not the binding law, but remember in passages like 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said these things happen to them for examples. They're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. So, I mean, there's we are to learn from Old Testament. There's some principles that we can, you know, derive benefit from, and I think that 10% is, is a valid starting Here's place. Kent's comment on that. He says, is 10% valid or mandatory? Such can serve as an adequate baseline for our giving. However, the New Testament does not assign a specific percentage. It ought to be a goal for Christians to give as sacrificially as we can. With that as our goal, perhaps many of us can give more than 10%. Yeah. Thank you for that, Kent. Kent and and uh, Mohan in Chicago said, per 1 Corinthians 16, 2, we should give as we have prospered on Sundays. Second Corinthians 9, 6 indicates we should give bountifully. Although in the New Testament, I do not see 10% as mandated. In my opinion, considering we are blessed in places like America, that may be a good starting point in giving. The individual determines how much to give. Uh, in a church a while back, which I left, the church determined how much people should give and asked the members in advance what their pledge would be in order to budget expenses. They also solicited unbelievers to help fund a missions goal by offering raffles to them. Well, that's another so, question we yeah, did not consider, yeah, but how yeah. is the church to get funds? And there's only one authorized way in the scriptures, and that is giving on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, raffles, bake sales, cakewalks, car washes, yeah, yeah, yeah. garage sales, not valid, not appropriate, not, not authorized. authorized in the scripture. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that comment tonight, Mohan. All right, let's grab a break, and when we get back... Uh, here's a touchy question. Should we give of our income pre-tax? In other words, should I figure what I want to give? Should I, should I figure my giving based upon my income before taxes are taken out? Randy in Colorado's chimed in on that, and you can as well in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to that question right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't confuse God's patience with his final response. Many people ignore God, then blame him for the chaos that results. You can fool yourself and others, but you can never fool God. 
Man, wish I'd said that. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight as we uh, talk about giving uh, some questions that were prompted by some discussions with some of our listeners, and uh, we want to hear from you on the other end of the line tonight. Now, let us know your thoughts. Uh, how about this question about should we give our income pre-tax or post-tax? Uh, 3176 in the chat room says, who comes first, God or government? Well, that's a good consideration. Um, and Randy out in Colorado said, I was once asked this question by a friend. I told him that just by asking that question, I already knew there was a problem. Yeah. And so that may indicate that we're not cheerful in our giving what i'm trying to do is figure out what's the least i have to give and so i'm gonna so so the guy who has that attitude like randy was suggesting he's he wants to lower the the baseline basically he wants to well my gross was this much but my take-home was only this much and so i can if i just figure what i give on my take-home pay then i don't have to give as much it's almost like i'm trying to figure out what's the least i can give well, to that question, Kent responded, yes, because we're prospered above our taxes, we should give pre-tax. You know, our taxes go uh, to things that are benefit and prosper us. Now, we may not agree that the money is We may not like wisely. everything, yeah. Uh, we may we, you know, we may wish that we didn't have to pay so much for those benefits, but they are benefits. You know, we drove over here tonight, you from your house, me from my house. Pretty nice roads. Yep. Pretty nice roads. Yep. And, and I was, I actually was not fearful Nope. That highwaymen would stop me and rob me and yep. leave me for dead. Yep. I felt safe. I felt protected. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we've got a lot of infrastructure around us. You know, uh, the, our taxes, we, we are benefited. Now, again, we, we can quibble politically about whether we think the money is always being used wisely or efficiently. <coughs> but the fact of the matter is our taxes go to, to provide a place for us to live that is very blessed. And those who live in places where <coughs> they don't have roads like we have to, or they can't go down the roads without being fearful for their life would be willing to pay what we pay in taxes and perhaps a whole lot more for the luxuries that we enjoy that yeah. as a result of our taxes. So we ought to view the, the taxes that we pay as benefits to us. Part of that tax is a Social Security tax, and which will benefit us but Hopefully we're old. And someday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, certainly uh, I think it is uh, makes sense for us to look at our income pre-tax for those considerations. 3176 says, I don't see either being wrong because government is a servant of God, Romans 13. Uh, so, uh, all right. Thank you for those those comments in the chat room tonight. Um, uh, all right. If you haven't signed in, sign in there. We see Brian's out in Color- uh, California, Lou's in Minnesota. Uh, so we're touching two of the borders there uh, tonight. Dwight's in Iowa. Dwight's in Iowa, right in the middle. He's landlocked. Uh, yeah. But uh, maybe we can catch some of those other borders here as people chime in in the chat room tonight. Uh, and if you're outside of the U.S., we'd like to hear from you in the chat room as well. We haven't heard from our friend Peter in Australia. For, shout out to Peter. Shout out to Peter. We, to, we need a radio and then check Chris from Peter. And then Chris in U.K. We haven't heard from Chris in U.K. Yeah. in a while. We haven't heard from, shout yeah. out to Chris. Maybe we need a, a little radio check. Are we still getting over there? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I got a, an email uh, from Jared in Florida who says that he can't get the chat room to work, but it looks like it's working. And I've got feedback uh, tonight. They're, they're observing how you cough. Uh, you coughed in your hand and not in your elbow. 
Uh, oh, oh. Lots of, oh. yeah. Excuse me. So lots of concern about germs on the other end of the line tonight. But I really hey, don't just think. Hey, just be thankful you're not this, in the room here with thing, him. Is this thing working? Yeah. I don't think a germs are getting through. This. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. All right. So, uh, uh, Jared, all I can tell you is maybe start over, try to reboot, and see if you can get that chat room to work. It looks like it's working. It's working for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Should we determine how much we give before paying bills? Uh, okay. Now that's I, I think that's a, a very loaded question, and prob- probably there's lots of ins and outs there. There are. If 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 so, let's say I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a new Christian. <clears throat> I didn't even know about giving. Uh, and I bought a new boat, and I bought a new car, and I've got more house than really I can afford, and I'm upside down in it, and I'm stretched really thin. But I, you know, it's right, it's where I am right now. It's all I can do. That'd be a consideration. I understood. You know, I'm going to have to pay those bills. I made an obligation to commit to pay those bills. I think that would be different than a Christian who knew he was obligated to give. And he went out and bought a new boat and a new car and a great big expensive house. And now he has so many bills to pay that he he can't really give because he's, he's, his paycheck's gone about the time he gets it. I think a Christian should know better than to obligate himself in that way. He needs so a purpose in his heart. He, when you budget your money, you know, Dave Ramsey always talked about having a budget. The very first line on the budget ought to be God and give it. Our, uh, our contribution. So a, a Christian who got himself into into that fix uh, when he already knew better is that's to me a different consideration. Kent says we should pay uh, give before paying bills because our prosperity requires such. And so he would say you're prospered uh, and therefore you need to to uh, be paying on that prosperity uh, or giving. But, on that you know, I, I think maybe. It'd be good for that guy who who came to the Lord and already had a bunch of financial obligations to be looking for ways to shed some sure. of that so he can do some other. It's got to be a priority. Yeah, it has got to be a priority. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, next part of this question: Are there any other considerations beyond the number on our paycheck that should be used to determine how much we give? Yeah, and you could probably throw the next question in there with it. Are there other ways we prosper that should be included? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Tell me what you I think you you wrote that or somebody you were corresponding with wrote that. What's wrote your thinking that. on that? Well, certainly I think uh, well uh, uh, prospering doesn't need, mean just a paycheck. There are other ways that we're prospered. You yeah. know, um, uh, we, we may have had uh, you know certain windfalls that may come in our way. Maybe we, someone gives us a, a, a gift. I'm, I'm prospered that way. Yeah. Um, Kent uh, uh, he says uh, we need to give in all ways we prosper: interest, income, sales, etc. So maybe yeah, maybe I. Maybe I, uh, I've got a hobby, you know, and I sell some of my, I do some woodworking or something, yeah. and I sell that for a profit. I ought to consider that as my income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so got, you're saying the question, as yeah. you understand it, is emphasis on paycheck only. We're not yeah. talking about paycheck yeah. only. We're talking about any prosperity that comes to us. You know, under the law of Moses, when they were obligated to give the tithe, it was whatever they profited. It was their garden. Yeah. You remember in Matthew 23, the, the Pharisees were very meticulous about that, even to the point that they would give 10% of their garden herbs, and the, and the whole annual crop of garden herbs might be a handful. Yeah. And they would divide it up in 10 parts and give a tenth. And so they, and, and Jesus, by the way, did not condemn them for doing that. Yeah. He yeah. said they should do that. Hey, let's say you put out a garden, and some of us like to do that. You, there's some value in those crops that God has sent the rain for. And you know, that's interesting because I don't think many people say, you know, 
my garden really came in good. A bumper crop of corn this year. And actually, you know what? That's going to keep me from having to spend quite as much at the grocery store. So there is a financial benefit to it. So, but so if we'll, and here's another benefit of this giving. If we'll step back and say, what ways have I been prospered? It will really make us more thankful uh, to think about all the things that we've benefited from. You know, just all the things that, that have come our way, uh, which come continually. God continually showering us with blessings. Uh, so I think there are a lot more than the things to consider than just our paycheck. Oh, I think that's a good question. Uh, so both of those questions together, are there other considerations beyond our paycheck that should be used to determine how much we're given. And, are, and, the, and the bottom line of that question is, are there other ways we prosper that should be included? And as, I think that's a good thing. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I think your point is really well taken. Okay. All right. How much time? Well, we've got a little time. Yeah, so let's, the next let's, one's a little bit more complicated. Okay. So the next question that we sent out to our update list, by the way, did I say if you're not on our update list, get on it. If you're not getting these How updates, do I do that? Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and we'll and just say add me to the list and we will do it. It's quickly becoming a status symbol to be on that list. Kyle, are you on that list? Oh yeah. Oh you're, I am, you're yeah. cool like the rest From of us. Back. And you know yeah. every once in a while I like oh, yeah, now we're gonna have to see how long you've been on the list. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think people get to expect because just earlier today our buddy Eric, who's in the chat room, uh, said, hey, I didn't see an email today. He'd yeah. come to expect it. Yeah. Uh, so I hope he found it when he went back and looked again. But okay. uh, All right. So is it acceptable to the second question on the list was, is it acceptable to save? Should we give all of our funds to help others? Is it okay to have savings? What are some of the considerations with regards to our savings? Yeah, so there's some questions and sometimes people feel guilty. Uh, well, because they might have some, so, uh, you know, a little nest egg put away. Uh, is, should I do that? Or, you know, should I be giving it all maybe to well, the, the church or, or to, uh, to others? Uh, what about that? Well, the early Christians, what did they do? Now, this, this actually might cause a little confusion. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, just as the church began in the city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 44, all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Yep, yep, yep. And then in chapter 4, it says in verse 34 of Acts, again, these are the very early days of Christianity, Acts 4, verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So it sounds, uh, you could build a case here that this is compulsory. If you have anything, any possessions, you need to sell them and shed that as quick as possible. You know, the, the fact of the matter is that that, if you just stopped right there, you could say we should be living communally. Yes. You know, nobody should have private property. We should all sell that, have everything in common. We should all live in a in a commune. Uh, and actually, I think some people have probably taken those verses and, and applied them at that level, to that extreme. Stay there in Acts, though. You, you read Acts chapter 4 about Barnabas. Yeah. But you go on at chapter 5, you got Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. They wanted to get in on the act, but they didn't want to actually do as much as uh, Barnabas. They, they, they wanted like the Barnabas. credit. They wanted the credit for being that generous, so, but they didn't really want to be that generous. That's right. So they were going to try and keep a little bit back. And yeah. so they lied about it. Say, hey, I had this little piece of land. I sold it. And I'm, here it is. Here's the price. And Peter got on to Ananias for lying. And verse 4 of chapter 5 of Acts, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it sold, was it not in thine own power? 
So Peter said, hey, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to sell it in the first place. And when you sold it, you didn't have to bring all the money. So why are you lying about it? Yeah, he says, he says, while it remained, was it not that after it was sold, was it not in that own power? No, you didn't have to do that. You know, so again, that proves that it is not necessary to sell everything we own and give it all away. Right. In First Timothy, chapter six, Timothy is told in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Notice he didn't say tell them to give away all their money. Right. But he says have a right attitude toward it and use it. Use it. Effectively. That's right. And we can look at the life of Paul. You know, Paul, we think of Paul as being one of those very spiritual persons dedicated to the Lord. Paul hadn't done that. Paul wasn't uh, hadn't uh, made a vow of poverty. In First Corinthians chapter thirteen, Paul is speaking uh, in hyperbole here to to show the importance of having love, and he talks about all these extreme things uh, that he could be doing. Uh, and if he didn't have love, it wouldn't be any good. Look at verse three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. And have not charity, it profits me nothing. He's using hyperbole. He had not given his body to be burned. And he hadn't given all his goods to feed the poor. He still had some possessions of his own. And so I can learn from the case of Apostle, the Apostle Paul as well that it is okay to have savings. But First Corinthians chapter 6 puts some regulations on how I need to view those and how I need to be using those. Yeah. Philemon, the short little book of Philemon. Philemon was a Christian, probably in the church at Colossae. He was apparently a fairly well-to-do man. The church met in his house, Philemon verse 2. We know also that he was a man who had servants. Onesimus was his servant or slave who had actually run away from him, and Paul was sending him back. And so he apparently was a, a well-to-do man and a Christian. So I would argue that all of those kind of considerations say we don't have to give all of our funds to help others. Yeah, so here um, is the response that we response we got from Mohan. He said, "Is it okay? To, it is okay to save in case of unexpected expenses." So Mohan would put that savings in there as part of being uh, providing for your own. You may not have that need now, but yeah. you're preparing to. And, provide and the for verse you. that I would throw in on that is exactly that one that you refer, that you alluded to, Jacob, in First Timothy five, verse eight. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house. He has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so I've got to use good discretionary powers to have enough to provide for my own house. Now, that's a judgment call. Yeah. But that would indicate that I should have some laid up. Yes. In in order to take care of them. And, you know. Something for a rainy day, as they say. Yep. Uh, that's certainly appropriate. So um, yeah, here's Kent's response to the question. He has some interesting uh, takes on it. He says, is it acceptable to save? Yes, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30 affirms such. Well, that's an interesting one. Jesus drew on the fact that if you've got means, you ought to be doing something with them rather than sticking them in the dirt. He didn't say you shouldn't save them at all. He said these people should they were have been actually, He was actually commending investing it there to, to make, a, to make, make it a to problem. use in a different yeah. way. Okay. He, should, right. he goes on to say, should we give all of our funds to help others? 
No, we have an obligation to care for ourselves and our family in addition to giving to God in the local church, 1 Timothy 5, 8 and 18, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. If we give all that we have financially to others, we will not adequately be a steward of what God has given unto us and will face poverty ourselves. Okay. I think that's a good answer. All right. And then uh, we asked the question, what considerations should we use then now that we see that it is okay to have savings? What are some considerations we ought to have in those? We ought to let's take a break and let our listeners chime in, in the chat room tonight. So, so you're going to have some savings. We yeah. said it's okay. How are you going to determine what you're going to do with savings-wise? All right. How, what are you, so what are you so going to be some uh, guiding principles uh, for that? Uh, how are you going to determine how much is too much? How do I save? What do I save? You know, when do I use it for, in, in other ways? Let us know your thoughts on the program. Lots of things to consider as we think about our giving, and, uh, and this is a very valuable discussion. Um, when we get through that, we need to talk about, so I'm giving to the church, and they're not using it so wisely. They're sort of wasting the money. Uh-huh. Or they're not using it at all. Or they're not using it in an authorized way. What do I do? Yeah. And then the last question for us to consider on the list tonight, does it have to be money? You know, could I give a pig or a cow? You know, the, the goats could have I, been. Could I give some of those that produce that my garden was making That's so true. abundantly? Could I just bring that on Sunday? Well, we'll get to that. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this week's bullet point. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. There are lots of people who believe that God empowers men to work miracles today. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, yes, it's an absolute fact that God, through his Holy Spirit, gave men in the first century the power to perform miracles. A miracle is, by definition, a supernatural act that defies explanation by the laws of nature. The question is, does God still give men such power? And the answer is no. There are no miracles. Remember the definition. There are no miracles occurring today. Here are the reasons why. Number one, miracles served a specific purpose in the first century. They were the means by which God revealed and confirmed his will to mankind. Mark 16, verses 17 through 20, Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. Since God has finished his revelation, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, there's no longer any need for men to perform miracles. They have ended. Second reason, there were two ways to receive miraculous power in the first century. One way was by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And that baptism was only for a few, not for all. And it is no longer available. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. The only other way that men received miraculous abilities was by the laying on of the apostles' hands. Acts 8, verses 14 through 17. Obviously, there are no apostles still living today, and therefore there's no way to receive these powers. Miracles have ended because the means by which they were imparted are no longer available to us. And the third reason, the New Testament actually tells us that miracles were to end and tells us when they would end. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13, Paul states that miracles would end when God's complete revelation was made known to men. We now have his final word, and according to his own testimony, miracles have ended. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. See, I told you we'd be back. The Virtual Bible Study continues. Back on the program tonight, reminding this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email at any time to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you on the program tonight or uh, any time. If uh, you have a question or comment of what you've heard on the program tonight, maybe you're listening to that a year from now. 
send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Kyle, the live stream is at College View live stream on YouTube. You're putting together some playlists there if you want to yeah, make it simple for us. We actually yeah, we have, we will finish the uh, Peter uh, epistle second, to Peter. Second, first and yeah. second Peter, yeah. yeah. Tomorrow, so uh, next week. got that playlist uh, yeah. loaded up so and ready we'll to go. we'll be ready to finish that up. So. Okay. That's been a yeah. good study. I've really enjoyed that study. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, check that out, College U live stream on YouTube. And we want to let you know about uh, a good program we're planning next week. Uh, Pastor, Lutheran Pastor Chuck Westra is scheduled to be here with us to talk about baptism uh, next week, we have some differing understandings of the scriptures on that subject. And you may, you may remember that we had announced that interview several weeks ago and then had to postpone it. But yep. Lord willing, we're going to have that next Wednesday yeah, night. He's still, it's, we're still planning on that. He's still good for that date uh, next week. And so we're going to work towards that. Uh, it will be a very important and good discussion and appreciate him for being willing to have the discussion. It's going to be a friendly t- discussion. That's the main thing. When we have these, it's not a argument or a fight or to see who can win. It's a discussion of, hey, what do the scriptures teach here? Let's compare both sides of this and determine what, what the scriptures teach. Truth wins when it's examined in that way, and that's what we're, our goal is. And it's going to be a friendly discussion, a good discussion. We'll no doubt be good friends on the, on the other side of that, and so you'll want to be here for that as well. Tell other people to join as well. Uh, next week, uh, Lord willing, on the program uh, on March 19th. All right. Yeah. Talking about giving on the program. So right now we're talking about giving. And and the question was asked, can we save? And if it's okay to save, what would be some considerations with regards to our saving? I want to go back to a verse that I read just a minute ago from first Timothy six, charge them that are rich in the in this world. So they've got some savings. Obviously they're rich in this world that they be not high minded. So don't get proud about your, Ooh, I got more money than Kyle does, yeah. nor trust in uncertain riches. Uh, it's going to get me through this coronavirus, my big bank account, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to, uh, to enjoy, do good, take, teach them that they should do good, that they should be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So, uh, attitude towards uh, our attitude toward our savings is, is critical. Yeah. What about the rich young ruler? You know, that's a, that's one of those that would tell us, you know, there may be, may, maybe, maybe I can't save. Maybe it, it affects my heart in such a way that having money is a, is a for him, for him, yeah. Jesus saw that that's what was keeping one him from, thing he was lacking. The one thing was that he, that he loved his money. He couldn't get that. He, he, he Jesus could tell that these two things aren't going to be able to go together. Yeah. We got to get rid of, got to get rid of one if we're going to be spiritually well. Uh, so that may be our case as well. And then another of the things, uh, incidents in Jesus' life is when he told the parable of the rich farmer, uh, who, who is, he said he, uh, in Luke 12, verse 16, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. This will I do. I will, build, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul that has much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He hadn't thought about anybody else other than himself, and he had not thought about God. His savings condemned him. Yeah. Jesus, uh, uh, God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Hey, and you know, he's not the only one that that's happened to. It happens to people every day where their money displaces God in their hearts. Yeah. And uh, and they they pay the price as a result. Yeah. And so that has to go into uh, the equation here as we think about saving uh, is it going to affect my heart in ways that it shouldn't? Yeah. Uh, Kent makes that comment. He says he references the parable of the rich farmer. 
he says, make a, make a proper distinction between property or properly saving and using what God has given us and that of greed. So yeah. I'm going to save it for what I need to be doing with it rather than that of greed where I just want to pile it up and then sit back on the pile. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So good thoughts about savings there. And I yeah. think those are appropriate. Yeah. Let's go to our next question. All right. If the church that we are a member of doesn't use the funds we give first in a wise manner, how should we respond? Let's deal with that first. So it's just a question of whether what they're doing is wise or not. That's a, that, that, that is a, a very important consideration. But the implication of the question is that it's a judgment matter. In other words, I, I think my opinion is the money would be better used this way. But it seems that the, the decision of the, of, the, of the elders or the leaders of the congregation or the, the men of the church, the decision of theirs is to use it this way. I don't think that's particularly wise. What should I do? Uh, maybe give an example that I've heard any number of times through the years. We've got a gravel parking lot. And the men are thinking about paving the parking lot. Yeah. And I just, I just think that's that money could be used better in a different way. I just don't think that's a wise use of the money. What am I to do? So again, it's not a question of what's scriptural or not scriptural. It's a question of expediency or judgment. And I think that in those kind of matters, I, first of all, it's certainly not wrong to voice your opinion in those kind of matters. But in so much as the as the judgments are not sinful. I think the principle is that we ought to submit. In other words, if they're, when I say they're not using the money in a wise manner, how should I respond? Well, I can try to, I can try to influence those decisions in, in a more wise way. But ultimately, if it's not sinful, I need to submit. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, because there are going to be differences in judgment. One of the discussions I was having with a listener after that program a couple few weeks ago was okay. Let's say it's not about hey, they want to, they want to, you know, they want to put new carpet down, and I think the old carpet was just plenty fine, and we're just wasting money on new carpet. They want to pave the the, the parking lot, and I don't think that's necessary. What if they're not using the money? Now, that's another way that uh, that I mean, and that happens at a lot of churches where they're just building up a huge stockpile here and they're not using the money that I'm giving on Sunday. Should I curtail my giving or stop my giving? Because because I, they're not being wise with what not, I am giving. They're not using it like yeah. they should. Which would be unwise. Yeah. And uh, perhaps unscriptural. But. Perhaps unscriptural. But uh, I, I'm obligated to give. Uh, so I've got to, I've got to contribute to the Lord's work. Uh, I think we have an obligation in the local congregation to give, but I I have never been of the opinion that I that all of my giving must be in one local congregation in one place or in one manner. I need to devote a a significant part of my prosperity to God. But I think that there there I have some options. I don't have to do all of my good work through the church treasury. Okay. All right. Uh, and my response was, you know, maybe that, maybe that is a sort of a, uh, you know, stick in your craw a little bit here that uh, I'm giving this money and they're not using it like they should. But my response to that is, well, I am laying up treasure in heaven. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
You know, you referenced first Timothy six, verse nineteen, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What they do with the money is on them. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm laying up but treasure that, in heaven. But that same passage says that I should be rich in good works, yeah. ready to distribute, yeah. willing to communicate. Right. Yeah. And so I can do it another way. I can well. do it. I can do so. Uh, some of my good works for right. God, I do individually, not just right. collectively in the local congregation. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's but, see. But now the more important part of that question, I think, is what if the church where I'm a member doesn't use the funds in an authorized scriptural manner? What should I do? Oh, now that's getting tougher. All right. Uh, so they took a bunch of money out of the church treasury and they bought a bus and carried the kids to Six Flags, mm-hmm. which, of course, none of that's authorized. What should I do? Yep. That'd be an example. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I've got to speak out against error. You know, I've got to, I've got to voice my concern that this is not scriptural. This is not authorized. I mean, that's that's got to be the starting place. Maybe I can turn them and change their view. It's oh oh oh, we hadn't even thought about that. We won't do that anymore. If that would be the outcome, good. I probably won't be, but if that were the outcome, it, but that would be my first step. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Ephesians chapter five verse eleven would tell me I need to reprove things that are not right. I need to. I need to have no. But I can have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So I, if they're going to do that, and if they're going to continue to do that, I can't have fellowship with that. Yeah. So I've got to reprove it. And if my reproof causes them to stop doing it, yep. then I've gained I've gained a brother. Yeah, I've gained a brother, a bunch of brothers. Yep. But if they're going to if they're determined to continue in that course, I cannot fellowship. That. Yeah, but my first response should be, oh, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm done. I need to reprove them. Yeah. I have an obligation to do that. And that's what uh, what Mohan says up in Illinois. He says we may have to confront the church if they are not using the money wisely. For example, if they use it to entertain the church members after confronting them, they don't listen. We may have to leave. And so Mohan has it in the right order there. Yeah. Something comes up. Hey, I got an obligation. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing. I need to talk to them about that and show them from the scriptures why that's not correct. Do that first. And if they won't turn, then I may have to leave yeah. so yeah. that I don't have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Exactly right. All right. And 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 that is a, a personal responsibility. I've heard people say, because I've actually talked with people, maybe they're members of a church and they're doing some acknowledged unscriptural activity. And so this brother says, well, I don't, I don't go along with that, but it's, that's, that's up on, that's, that's on the elders. They make the decisions. No, no. If what they're doing crosses the line from just unwise to unscriptural, then I can't say that's on them, and I, uh, you know, they're just, I'm yielding my consent by, because because as I continue to contribute and worship and yep. and and work with these people, I'm in fellowship with that that I that I say is wrong. Yeah. So I can't do that. Here's what Kent said. He said, demonstrate from the New Testament the collective obligation to Christ that the local church has in this area. We should respond by discussing these concerns with the elders, or if there are no elders, with the men. This is not discussing areas of matters of judgment. This is discussing where authorized and required work is not play, taking place at all. And so, yeah, he said, 
you talk about that. Don't uh, don't just sit there. Talk about it. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about it some more on the other side of this break. Uh, we're going to go to the top of the hour. One last question. Uh, well, and then tonight. we're going to add one from Randy in Colorado. All right. Uh, so does it have to be money on the first day of the week? Could it be uh, that goat or that sheep? Uh, you know, you got some chickens. Maybe it's a chicken eggs. or maybe the eggs. I wouldn't give very many of those these days, it doesn't seem like. <laughs> uh, we're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019 show that 4% of American adults say they are atheist when asked about their religious identity. That's up from just 2% in 2009. An additional 5% of Americans call themselves agnostic, up from 3% a decade ago. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back, going to the top of the hour, talking about our giving tonight. It has been a good discussion with lots of good input from our listeners. We want some in the chat room tonight. What about this last question? So I need to give on the first day of the week. Does it have to be money? Could it be some produce? Could it be some livestock? Could it be something else? Let me. I had a little different take on this, but I want to read Kent's uh, response. Kent's our friend in Calhoun, Georgia, and he says... Uh, Generally speaking, in our society, yes, it should be money, but not necessarily. Our income is based upon gross national product. In some situations, in certain societies, one's income could possibly be based upon that of unconverted resources. If such is the case, one giving of that unconverted resource would be equal to giving of that currency if that were the basis of one's income. That could certainly be inclusive of livestock. And, And he made me think when he said that, you know, I remember stories of old, older than me, when preachers, circuit riding preachers would get paid in a chicken or, you know, a, a, a bag of potatoes, you know. And so here's here's someone and they're contributing. They're 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 supporting the preaching of the gospel and they do it by giving a bag of potatoes they dug. I think that that certainly would be acceptable and God would acknowledge that as a generous gift, you know. Uh, So maybe I hadn't thought about it, but based upon what Kent is saying, maybe so. But I would say the general rule is it's money. And I would go all the way back to Acts where we started. What did they do? Uh, All that believed were common, Acts 2 verse 44. And had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to every man as every man had need. 
chapter 4, verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man as he had need. So it was money. It seemed like it was primarily money. Yeah. And, 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 that, and our, our society is much more monetarily driven than that one but, was. I mean, it may, this may seem like a far-fetched thing, but it's, it is an issue. It was in the past, perhaps, and it is. I mean, I've heard of it recently in Africa. There's been questions about... Can I just bring a, you know, I've had a lot of cows been born here. Can I bring a calf? Well, you know, I'd also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that they are to, they were to get this together. They were lay by in store. Lay it they, up. They were lay it up. And you don't do that with, with corn a cow. and lettuce and cows. You do that with money. Yeah. Uh, they were, so that's the, the purpose of that in 1 Corinthians 16. Yeah. One and two, I think so. it would be primarily, I mean, there might be an, it doesn't say, you can't give a cow, but I think the impracticality of it would would limit that possibility tremendously. I think it should be money. So I want to give a cow. Well, I can sell the cow and give the money. Like they did in the New Testament. Yeah. yeah. yeah we have authority for that. Yeah. Kyle, your thoughts on that? Basically, it was Kyle's wanting to give the cow. Well, no, cow. Whatever, whatever, I guess whatever drives your economy. If you're in a, if it's an African village or if it's somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere who has like, where if they have, and if they have. Whatever, whatever monetarily has value to them. If it, uh, if a cow or a goat or a sheep has some monetary value to the, their economy, I guess that's whatever. That's possible. Mohan said the New Testament does not authorize produce or livestock. However, individually, we can give things like food and clothing to those in need. And I think that's true. Yeah. In other words, maybe in my personal benevolent activity, I do give a bag of of, of vegetables it. out of my garden, yeah. or or eggs from my chickens. Yeah, well, the, the garden's doing really good. The eggs, are, the chickens are doing really good, and there's a there's a needy family yeah. across the street. I, yeah. yeah, I can definitely do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So those are all good. I, we had really good questions and good answers tonight. Yeah, I think lot, there's a lot of angles to this question. You yeah. know, it's pretty. We think it pretty cut and dry, but there's a lot of angles, lots of things yeah. to consider. And we got another one here. All right. So this one, and we got just a minute to to deal with this question. Came in from. Randy in Colorado, he says, is it all right for me to designate where my offering should be used? Okay, that's a great question, and I and I think Randy probably has run into this as I have run into it through the years. Someone says, I'm going to give, but I want to tell you, I want the church to use the money to buy new songbooks. I'm going to give $1,000, but I want them to use it to put new carpet down. I'm, I'm going to give $1,000 but I, I want it to be used to air condition the building. And so they want to put a, they want to put a, uh, you know, a, a stipulation, a stipulation, a, 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 a earmark. I want to ear that earmark. What I'm looking for. They want to earmark what they're, yeah. what they're going to use the money for. My answer to that is you can't do that. Okay. And I would use again from, uh, Acts chapter five with Ananias and Sapphira. Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, keep back part of the price of land? Whilst it was remained, was it not in thy was it whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Now think about what's implied by that. After it was sold, it was in his power, but after he gave it, it's not in his power. You relinquish relinquish control of, yeah. the, of the funds. The implication is it was it was you had the power when it was yours, but after you've given it, it's not in your power anymore. And so I would argue that we cannot earmark funds. Uh, they will be used as the congregation determines 
hopefully a church with elders and they will make the decisions ultimately about how the money is used. It's got to be used scripturally. There are a number of judgments to be made about those sort of things. If, if not elders, the, the, the men in a, in a business meeting type arrangement will make a decision, but it's not mine anymore. I can't stipulate. 5641 says the individual could give songbooks if they wanted to purchase them. Yeah. Now, what about this? You know, you hear about this. We got a few more minutes. You hear about uh, churches having special collections. You know, maybe, you know, there's a natural disaster, an earthquake. There's Christians that have had homes that were lost. Next Sunday, we're having a special offering for the earthquake victims. What do you think about that? Uh, well, I guess my first question would be, you know, the question of the church and supporting Christians versus not Christians. Christian. Okay. So we know Christian. 10 families who had their houses destroyed in an earthquake or a tornado. Yeah. And we're going to. And, and so the decision has been made. Maybe our elders have said, whatever you give next Sunday, we're going to we're going to send to that congregation where those folks are members so that the elders of that church can distribute to the needy saints there. That's the biblical pattern, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the elders can do that. A, a decision of that nature can be made, I think. Okay. I mean, it seems to be what they were doing in yeah. in, in Corinth. I mean, that was for the, yeah. to gather for the needs of the saints. So, And in Acts chapter 11, uh, we read where uh, it says, uh, in those days, verse 27, in those days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. It seems like they made a specific contribution to that I mean, need. That's foreign to what we typically do, I and mean, we typically yeah. just have a, a collection and then we use it as needed, but I think it could be okay to yeah. to say this is this is today we're using the funds for this yeah. um so maybe somebody might want to give a little bit more i don't you know maybe there's a, a dire need now i know there's a dire need and i really want to to be generous in that yeah. matter okay yeah all right. all right jay tell us one more time about next week's next uh, week lutheran uh, pastor chuck wester westra will be here uh he's with the lutheran church here in columbia tennessee uh, and he's been kind enough to agree to a discussion about baptism, a lot of discussion around infant baptism, what baptism accomplishes, what God has promised as a result of baptism, uh, those types of discussions. Uh, we uh, have a differing understanding of those, but we want to lay our understandings uh, beside the Scriptures and compare what the Scriptures say with what our understanding to find out uh, what is the correct view of that. And so it will be a good discussion, a good Bible study, uh, and uh Based on my discussions with Chuck so far, I know it's going to be a very friendly and cordial discussion, and I'm really looking forward to it and uh, hope that uh, everyone will make plans to be here. Great. Look forward to it. Kyle, thanks for being here. Glad that you were with us tonight. Thanks for good. Any good final study. thoughts on the, on the giving? I mean, it is a, it, there are lots of different angles here to consider. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think uh, which we have uh, we've incurred uh, very recently. It is some, it's just some generosity of uh, someone else, but, you know, uh, someone who died many years ago, but just uh, its own thing. But. Um, generosity is always good. I think uh, Christians should be can, can save. They can just as long as they whatever they do with their money is through the lens of uh, the scriptures, and that's God always first. important. Absolutely. God first, exactly right. All right, Dad, thanks for good. Thanks, discussion. Jacob. Uh, thank you for being here. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you look make plans to be here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. 
You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.